Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. I'm your host Laurie Brooke and together we will get to take a look at what goes on behind closed doors. Today, I am joined by Jennifer Bogard. Hi, my name is Jennifer Bogard. I am a certified life coach and I'm here to talk about relationships. Jennifer Bogart is a certified life coach who specializes in helping people turn off autopilot, tune into the desires of their heart and live on purpose. Hi everyone and thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Relationship Talks. I'm here with Jennifer Bogart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jennifer. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm really excited about our chat. When you reached out to me, you basically listed out all these reasons why you should be on the the podcast and what we could talk about. Um, And I have to say, it did make me laugh and go, oh my goodness. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Let's kick off with, I suppose, where it all began. And that is growing up for you and now your relationship with your parents. What is that like? Yes. So my parents are divorced and I would say that it, it was, my family life was tumultuous from conception. My parents were teenagers and, you know, really had no business having a child at, you know, 17 years old. Um, And so that was just a a very challenging time for them. And of course they were ill-equipped and not prepared and, you know, all of the things, of course. Um, And so their marriage did not last. They got divorced very early on, then they remarried. They had kind of a a tumultuous relationship. Um, I have a, a brother who is almost five years younger than me. And he ended up growing up with my dad, I grew up with my mom, and so that was a little bit of a unique situation in the way that all came about. I won't go into the detail of that, but that's a story that if that happened today, that would be on Dateline. (laughs) It was just a really crazy story. So my my dad probably had a, a touch of mental illness that was undiagnosed, and of course that played out in a whole host of of ways. So he was very abusive. Um, to my mom in particular, which I do, you know, have vivid memories of that and, and not, he wasn't physically abusive to my brother and I, but he just, he was just a volatile person. It was difficult to be around him. So um, my mom did end up remarrying when I was, so they probably divorced by the time, you know, completely uh, the second time by the time I was five. And then when I was around maybe third grade, third or fourth grade, my mom and my stepdad got married and then we moved off to Colorado and life kind of started over. So life had been very challenging up to that point. And then my stepdad was an executive for a global company and he kind of swept in and it was like, whoo, life, life is, is great now. So we kind of up-leveled our um, day-to-day living, which was great in a lot of ways. And I, you know, of course moved with my mom, my stepdad to across the country. We lived in Kentucky. I live in the United States in Kentucky and we moved across the country to Colorado and it was just um, me and them and my mom and I had been really close when I was little and then that kind of just shifted I think when she got remarried and it was just kind of lonely growing up. They were um, not really 
emotionally nurturing, I would say. And so I just, I felt really um, just kind of lonely growing up. So how has that all then played out for you as you've gotten older, you've grown up, you've started relationships and you've become a parent as well? How has that all played out for you? Yeah, um, well, gosh, I think in a lot of ways, I think probably the biggest way is that I feel like I've just always been on my own and I'd, I'd never really felt like I had a lot of support. Um, I certainly never really felt like I was um, you know, like cherished or delighted in or, you know, anything like that, that you would want your, you know, that me now as a parent would want, you know, for my own children to feel. Um, and I just always kind of felt like I was on my own. And so I think as a result of that, I'm fiercely independent. It's very hard for me to really trust people and to, you know, particularly men, um, that's, you know, certainly been a theme for me. Um, it's hard for me to trust and it's hard for me to not be so self-reliant. I, I have a really hard time asking for help and accepting help and really feeling like I'm worthy of help. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing. I think the other piece is not really having a father figure, um, because my dad was, you know, pretty absent. And then my stepdad, although he was there and was a great provider, and there was lots of great qualities about him emotionally, he was pretty absent. So there wasn't that aspect there. And um, I think not having a father figure in that way is pretty impactful for a little girl. Yeah. So how, how old were you when you got married? Cause I know that you're divorced now. So how old were you when you got married? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of a late bloomer. So I did not get married until I was 30 mm-hmm. and I married a man who he was 41 at the time we got married. So I was 30 and he was 41. He was 11 years older than me. I always dated older men. Imagine that, you know, I had daddy issues of course. And so I was always And I I would just always say I'm an old soul. And I I do think I'm an old soul, Um, but I would always date older guys. And the the person that I had dated before him was 17 years older. And then I met my husband. He was 11 years older, Um, but we really kind of had a whirlwind relationship and then got married. And honestly, when I met him, I was probably at my lowest point from a self-worth standpoint and just really felt like I'll probably never get married. And he was ready to get married. You know, he was 40 when we met and he was at a point where it's like, okay, it's time to check that box. And I feel like it was just kind of a convergence of factors. Looking back on that, I can definitely see we probably should, you know, we are divorced now and we probably should not have gotten married. But, you know, what I will say is I certainly don't regret it. I have two great kids and he, my ex-husband is a awesome human, really great human. Um, You know, wasn't a great marriage relationship, but he's a good human. So I certainly don't regret it. So how did you go on to your, I suppose, how did you start to discover that your self-worth and what you thought of you and what you needed was impacting the relationship? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I probably, I mean, all through my twenties before I was married was I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on the show. 
<laughs> my 20s were a shit show okay that's that's honestly all I can say it was a big dumpster fire I mean it was it was just it was bad um really really bad and that's why I say like when I met my husband I was really like I'll probably never get married I'm lucky somebody wants to marry me you know um and then through my 30s I you know was just kind of in survival mode I had my kids and I went from being a you know, career woman to now a mom, which I felt completely not prepared for. Um, but I was really in just survival mode. It was around my 40th birthday that it, things started coming into focus for me. And I remember my husband took me on a trip and it was you know, just the two of us. And I came back from that trip feeling like I never want to go on another trip with him again, just the two of us. And it just was, it just didn't go well. And that was not a good sign, right? Like that's probably not a good thing to be thinking about your husband. <laughs> so anyway, that was kind of a turning point. And I started realize I just started focusing a lot on my own, my own unhappiness. And I really blamed him and I just started seeking out all of these resources. I mean, I, like, it was my job. I was like diving into self-help. I was diving into my Bible. I mean, I just like was from all aspects trying to attack this thing. And I think that at that point was when I started to learn that like, huh, happiness really is an inside job. Like it really, at some point through my evolution, like that was my main learning was that I'm really not waiting on anything from him. Like it really is up to me. And for so long, I had just been like trying to get blood from a turnip, you know, trying to get something from him that I just wasn't ever going to get. And I just used it as a reason to be pissed off all of the time. And I was suffering and he was suffering and our kids were suffering and everyone was suffering. And uh, there was a kind of in my story, like the most impactful part was um, my daughter was around 10, like around the fourth grade or something. And I had been taking her to a counselor for anxiety. And one day the counselor said, Hey, you know, I'd like to meet with you alone. I was like, okay, great. Super. And, you know, I'm going to get an update. And then when we met, she gave me a book that was called the emotionally unavailable mother. And my first response was like, oh, wow, thank you. I have one of those. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute. This is my daughter's counselor. Like, I'm the, the mom. You know, she's giving this to me. And it was just one of those moments in my life where like the room was spinning. And I, I mean, it was just a moment. Like she might as well have just slapped me across the face, you know, in, in that moment. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, and then I think she kind of saw the light come on and I was realizing like, oh, wait, you know, she's talking to me and, and she just was so kind and so gentle. And she just said, this is going to be hard to read. Just go slow, be gentle with yourself. I mean, she was very, very kind, but I was just like, holy crap, like what is happening? I never envisioned myself as being emotionally unavailable, but somehow in that moment, I knew that she was right. And I just went home and just really sat with that. Like, how could this be true? And then I just realized like all of my mental and emotional energy is going towards trying to get something from my husband that I'm never going to get. 
and my kids are suffering. It's like your mental and emotional energy is finite. It's like a pie. It's not unlimited. And I was spending the whole pie on him and here my kids are suffering. And that was such a wake up call. Like I'm, I look back on that and I'm so grateful for, for that counselor, for that woman. And it was like, literally I was walking down one street and I turned and started walking down another. And I was just like, something has to change. I can't go on like this. And so that's when I just kind of dove into all of the self-help. I dove into my Bible. I told my husband, we are going to marriage counseling. This is not negotiable. Like this, this has to happen. So that, that was really when I, I guess, if that answers your question. Wow. Um, I just, as you told me that story, I got goosebumps. Mm-hmm. I got goosebumps listening to that. How is your relationship with your kids now? You know what, Lori, my, so I have a 17 year old daughter and my son will be 14 in about a month. And my relationship with my kids is one of the things I, I, I always say, and this sounds dramatic, but it is the God's honest truth. It is my proudest accomplishment. In so many ways, I feel like I have like broken generational curses. I mean, and, and I know that sounds so dramatic, but I, I, I am not even kidding when I say that. Um, a long time ago, I, well, so when I first found out that I was pregnant with my, my daughter, 17, she's you know, my older child. And when I first found out that I was pregnant with her, I prayed that it would not be a girl because my, and I, you know, before I knew that it was a girl and I was just like, oh, please let it be a boy because I just didn't have a great relationship with my mom. So I didn't feel like I had a model for that. And I had brothers. Um, I have my, my one brother who I didn't grow up with. And then my, my mom and my stepdad ended up having another child who is also a boy. So I have another brother. Um, So I have two brothers. And so I like, I just felt like I knew better how to relate to a boy. And so I was like, oh, please God, give me a boy, give me a boy. And then of course it was a girl. Um, and my, me and my daughter had a really difficult time until she was probably in about sixth or seventh grade. Uh, I mean, we were, um, she has a very strong personality. I also have a strong personality and there were so many times when she was, you know, like 10 to, you know, 12, maybe 13, where I just was like, we're not going to make it. Like we were in power struggles all of the time, like all of my thoughts about her were, this is so hard. She is so hard. Everything is so hard with her. And then that has completely transformed. And that's kind of a whole other story, but honestly, her and I are so tight and I just adore her. I enjoy her. She enjoys me. I mean, for the past few years, like her birthday, she just wants to spend it with me and we go shopping and um, that's what she wants to do. I mean, I begged her this year because she's in high school. She has a whole other friend group. I was like, I want to meet these people, you know, like, let's do, you know, let's, I want to see them. I want to meet them. She's like, no, we're doing what we always do. Um, you know, so anyway, we, we just have a ball together and I, she, it just makes me feel, I just, I can't even describe how it makes me feel, but the fact that I feel like my kids would rather me be around than not be around is so different than what my experience was. And I just feel so proud and grateful for that. 
And you should be, because it sounds like from the story that you told before, you were heading down the path that your mother was on, um, being emotionally unavailable and not even realizing that. And then to make that change and to now create that relationship where they want to spend all their time with you. How awesome is that? Yeah, it's amazing. And I I really credit that to, I always tell this story that a long time ago, I heard this pastor that I respect talk about his parenting philosophy. It's Andy Stanley out of a church in Atlanta, but um, a huge mega church. So um, he's pretty popular. But anyway, he was saying that him and his wife, like their, their strategy was always later is longer. Like you're going to have your kids in the house for about 20 years. And then there's later, (laughs) like there's beyond 20 years. Right. And so you're going to have, like, they have to spend time with you for this first 20 years, but then there's later and then they don't. And then whenever they're going to see you, it's their choice. Do they want to see you? Do they not? They get to decide, you know, later after the 20 years, which is a whole lot longer than this first 20 years. Right. And I had heard this, like when they were really little. And so that seemed like that was going to be forever. Well, now my daughter's 17, like we're knocking on the door of that. Right. Um, but when I heard that, I, I, that immediately registered for me because I don't really prioritize spending a lot of time with my parents. I mean, I have to have a lot of boundaries around that. And, and, and I, we just don't spend a lot of time together and I don't really care to, like I spend as much time as I care to spend. And I mean, I certainly want to be in relationship with them and I don't want to be a person who's not in relationship. Um, and I just have to have a lot of boundaries just to take care of my own self in it. And so when I heard them talk about that, it resonated so strongly with me because it's like, yeah, you know, I'm a grown woman now and I'm in later and no, I don't really choose it. And I want that to be different. And so I have just always, I've always thought of that later is longer. And I prioritize the relationship like above everything. And sometimes I feel like I err on the side of grace, like ridiculously so, but it has really served me in that, I mean, we do have such a strong relationship and I feel like it's just grown a real healthy respect. Like I have a healthy respect for them. They have a healthy respect for me. And like, for example, my daughter, you know, again, she's 17. And so she's a teenager, you know, she's a normal teenager. She's doing all the teenage things and, you know, something had happened and I found out about it and I was like, oh, okay. And I found out about it like quite a bit after the fact. And she was like, oh yeah, mom, that happened a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. And so to her, it was like ancient history. It was no big deal. But anyway, just to make that story really short, I just said, you know what? The biggest issue here is that there's a breach to our relationship. And that's what really hurts me is because I feel like there's a breach to our trust here and that needs to be repaired. Like what thoughts do you have on how could we repair that? Like, I want to trust you. And I feel like this has created a little bit of a crack in that. And so help me to figure out, like, how can we repair that? What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? And she can't stand for us to be out of sync. And I can't either, frankly. I mean, but she ended up making me like this Google, like, slide presentation. (laughs) It was the cutest thing. Why she was a good kid, and you know that she was, you know, was experimenting, but she'll never do that again. And that's, I can trust her. 
And then, you know, she's like, let's be, the last one was like, let's be besties again. It was a picture of us. So she's like, let's be besties, which means I always say like, I'll be your bestie one day. I'm not your bestie today. I'm your mom. (laughs) But I mean, it was just the sweetest thing. But I really loved that opportunity. I felt like that whole situation brought the opportunity for me to say like, this is the most important thing. Like, I don't care about drinking, right? Like we can deal with that. But there's a breach to our relationship, and that's what I care about. And and then, you know, to kind of get her input on that, just it was, it was actually just, it felt like a like, what does this make possible? Right. So I hated that that situation happened, but that situation made possible this repair that actually ended up strengthening our relationship. That is beautiful. So tell me about your son. How do you prioritize that relationship with him? Yeah. Well, that's a great question, Lori. And I mean, my son is awesome. He is such a cool kid and he is a 13 year old boy. (laughs) It's honestly way more difficult just organically than it is with my daughter only because, you know, he's the the opposite sex and, you know, he lives in the house. I mean, his dad is, is active with them both and so he sees my son all of the time but my son lives in the house with me and my daughter things happen way more organically with her than they do with him Um, but he's a real relational kid I mean fortunately but he's also a sports kid and like that's his main thing he loves all the stats you know everything that he loves are things that I have no idea about and so for me to connect with him I have to be very super intentional. And it doesn't take a lot. I mean, honestly, I can go shoot baskets with him in the driveway for 10 or 15 minutes and it fills his cup. And quality time is his love language for sure. I can be like, hey, let's let's go get, you know, a soda at Sonic and he'll be like, great. And we'll spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes in the car and his cup is full. It doesn't take a lot. Uh, but I really do in order to just even have things to talk about, like I'll find myself like listening to a sports podcast for 15 or 20 minutes just to get some information so that I can go back to him and say like, oh, hey, bud, you know, and talk to him about things that are of interest to him. (laughs) Because I don't run across that information unless I seek it out because I'm really not interested in it. (laughs) So anyway, all of that to say, I do have to be way more intentional and again, quality time really speaks to him. And so that's what I have to do is just carve out some one-on-one time and then that's enough. And it doesn't even have to be a lot, but I do find that I have to very often think about it more than I have to with my daughter, but I'm, I'm pleased to do that because like I said, it, a tiny bit of investment pays me back in spades. So yeah, he's awesome. absolutely. But it, it's, mm-hmm. I think it's also very real, isn't it? And that is, we all have our own different personalities. Mm-hmm. And when we want to create those relationships, sometimes we do have to be intentional about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times we do. Yeah. So tell me when there is an issue with your son, you've, mm-hmm. you t- spoke to us about how you had that opportunity with your daughter when something mm-hmm. came up, but when there's an issue with your son, how do you resolve that conflict? Yeah. Well, okay. I'm trying to think like we haven't had anything really serious, um, But I mean, I really just do it kind of the same. I mean, I haven't had that same opportunity with him, but we did have an issue. He's in eighth grade now. And I'd say like two years ago where he was being dishonest about some of his social media stuff, you know, very normal for, you know, middle-aged kids, right? Nothing that's out of the ordinary, but he had, you know, 
was caught lying. And I've always said to my kids, like, whatever, you, you know, kind of similar, like I was saying with my daughter, like, whatever you do, we can deal with that. Like, it's no, that's not a problem, but don't lie to me about it yes. because that that's a hard issue. That's a character issue that causes breach to our relationship. Um, and I, I really just handled it the same way with him. I just went to him and said, you know, like, Hey, this is, well, one thing I always do is I'll go to him and say, Hey, is there anything that you need to tell me? <laughs> like, I just kind of like give him an opportunity and I've done this with both of my kids, but like, you know, I'll just kind of give him an opportunity. Like, is there anything at all that you feel like you need to tell me? And, and of course the knee jerk is usually no. And then I'll say, okay, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to ask you one more time. <laughs> so they, you know, he's not stupid. Like, you know, he was born at night, not last night. Like he knows like something's up <laughs> and then he'll say, well, you know so in this particular time he did know exactly what I was talking about and he was like I know what you're talking about you know you're talking about snapchat blah 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 and and anyway I said yeah and he's you know I'm like help me understand why is this happening and he's like listen every single one of my friends has it I'm the only one that doesn't have it and in that situation I just said you know like talk to me like why do you feel the need to go behind behind my back and do this and so he just explained you know everybody else has it he's the only one and I'm not comfortable with it um but I just said to him you know I feel like here's all of the dangers that I you know as the grown-up and the parent like that I know are are present and that's why I'm not comfortable but I also hear you and I I hear like that would be hard right like you feel like you're this is the main way that your friends are communicating and you're not included in it and I get that too so how could we resolve this in a way that you can feel like you've been heard and that I can also feel comfortable? And so what we landed on was doing, like I did give him Snapchat, but I just gave it to him for like, I put a time limit on it. So there was a certain amount of time per day so that he couldn't just be on it unlimited, but that he did have access so that he would be able to communicate. So um, like I just had a birthday last week and one, both of them wrote me like words are my love language and both of them wrote me like the sweetest cards but I can't remember if it was him or her I think it might have been him but he was just saying you know lots of sweet things but one of the things he said was I'm so lucky to have a mom that's so reasonable and I think that that you know like that's an example of and the same thing with my daughter like so many times like I like I have a respect for them and I'll say you like let's how could we do this like I'm a, I give them input into it. And so they feel invested. And sometimes I'll say things like, if you were the mom, what would you do? Like, like step into my shoes. And so we, you know, I see their side of it. They see my side of it. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would, uh, my initial reaction to that is I find that scary. Yeah. Yeah. Even as I'm saying it, like I can hear myself saying it and thinking there's probably lots of people who would think that wouldn't work with my kids, you know, and I get that, like it probably wouldn't work with all kids, right? But I, I just feel like I've hit the jackpot with my kids yeah. <laughs> and I take no credit for it, but, but I mean, I'm able to do that with both of them. I feel like they are reasonable. I am reasonable. Um, and another thing I do with both of them is that I apologize often and early, 
Like I have done that from the beginning. Like I, whenever I overreact, which is a lot, right? <laughs> Particularly when they were younger and I would be emotionally triggered a lot, you know, if I would feel like I overreacted or I was more harsh on them than I should have been, you know, something like that. I always will come back and say, hey, you know, let, you know, later, of course, after I've, you know, calmed down and my, my brain is back online, you know, I'll just come back and say, hey, listen, I'm really sorry. Like uh, that was like, that was too much like, yes, I, I was angry and there was a reason to be angry, but that was too much. And anyway, I've done that for so long and they are also now very, like, I feel like I've modeled that. And I notice now that they both are very quick to do the same thing. And it just makes my heart so happy. That was so nice. What, what do you do for you to keep this, I suppose, learning and coming back and reconfirming your self-worth and how to show up as a better parent and as a better person? Yeah, well, that's a great question. I have lots of rituals and rhythms that are built into my daily habits that I have to do just to show up the way that I want to show up, right? And to feel the way that I want to feel and be the person, you know, that I want to be. Um, I feel like my own identity work is, has been like the curriculum of my life. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe that's true for a lot of people, but um, it's definitely been an evolution for me. And I, it's something that I have to very intentionally work on all of the time. Um, so I, I try to just hit it from all aspects. I mean, certainly, you know, my physical health is a very top priority for me in terms of my diet and movement and, you know, things like that. Um, in terms of my mental and emotional health, I am very consistent with just number one, my spiritual life. I mean, that's the foundation of everything for me. Um, but also I do what I call self-coaching. So I'm a life coach and I coach other people, um, but I do self-coaching in that um, it's just real simple. And I just kind of download my brain onto paper and I'll just, you know, to me, when I do that, I'm getting all of my thoughts onto the paper so that I can see them and I can handle them. And, you know, that just helps me to kind of create some um, distance from them. So I become an observer of my thoughts and, you know, gain authority over them basically. Um, and just kind of see like, Oh, huh, well, that's interesting that I'm thinking that. Um, and then I have a process that I work through that, you know, it's just a tool that I use with my clients just to kind of put it all into a structure and to see like, well, when I'm thinking this, it makes me feel this way. And when I feel that way, this is how I act. And this is the result that it creates. And if that's not the result that I want, well, then let's get back to the root of like, this is what I'm thinking. So what else is possible? How else could I be thinking about this? Or what else could I focus on here? Um, because sometimes there's lots of things that are true, but just it doesn't serve me to be focusing there. Like where else could I focus? Um, so anyway, so that's another thing that um, I spend a lot of time doing. I also meditate um, just to kind of, you know, calm my brain. And I, I honestly feel like that's been a really powerful practice. Um, and I recommend that to all of my clients, just because when you do have a regular practice of meditation, it really helps to just kind of um, help to decrease your reactivity. I feel like it just creates that space in your brain where you can just take a little bit of a pause yep. when triggers do occur. I mean, we're all human. We're all going to be triggered. That's just part of the, you know, part of the package of being a human. But, um, but to be able to just take even just a breath 
of a pause. It makes all of the difference in all of your interactions and all of your relationships. Yeah, that whole, the, the change between responding as opposed to reacting. Exactly. You got it. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what do you think the secret is to strong, healthy relationships? Great question. I, I'm going to say a couple of things. I think the first thing is really just kind of to your point earlier, it really is nurturing your relationship with yourself. I really feel like it's very, I mean, when you are showing yourself love and grace and compassion, it makes it so much easier to dole that out to other people. And when you are in constant criticism and judgment of yourself, then you're more likely to be doling that out to other people. So I feel like the relationship that you have with yourself kind of sets the tone for the types of relationships or your tendencies in relationship with other people. So um, I think that's, that's probably the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would say is to just really be aware of, you know, I call them manuals that we have for other people. Um, I think it's so common for us to have these unwritten rules and expectations of other people in relationship that they don't have any idea about, but yet we're holding them accountable to them. And I think that if we can just, you know, be aware of that and kind of strip that away and just let people be who they are, then, I mean, of course, creating boundaries for our own self, right? So that, you know, we can be in relationship in a way that's taking care of me and, and also taking care of them. But if we can just get rid of those manuals that we have for people and just let people be who they are. Yep. And it's okay. It's okay. Like I, you know, like with my mom, for example, my, my dad is actually now passed away, but um, with my mom, you know, I mean, this is probably common for mother daughters, right? But it's like, she will make me crazy. I mean, she will make me crazy. And I really just have to like remind myself all of the time. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. She gets to be who she is. It's okay. It's not a problem. And I still have to coach myself through that. Right. So, I mean, it's very normal and very human, but just to raise our awareness around that, I think is really helpful. It goes a long way in building relationships that their stuff is their stuff. You don't have to take it on. Yes, exactly. Lovely. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've really enjoyed our chat. Mm -hmm. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. If you can, I would love for you to jump on and leave a review. And whilst you are at it, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please join me again next week when we get to take a look behind closed doors at someone else's relationship. But until then, I am your host, Laurie Brooke, and remember the choice is yours, so make today and the week the very best it can be.